0: today as well and so we're continuing this series about the idols in our lives those idols that are in our hearts and our lives that that really keep us from experiencing God that was the, the sermon series that we just finished prior to this was experiencing God and the premise on that was like it's not just good to know God but it's to really to know him is you have to experience him right to be able to experience him to love God and love others and spend time and God's word and serving others to really get to know God on a personal level and as we were ending that series one thing that I was thinking about was well what really what are some things that really keep us from experiencing God to know him the fullest and I was thinking well idols right clearly idols are the beginning of the old testament are things that um, that we put above God and and we put in our heart that keeps us from fully experiencing God and and as I'm thinking about these topics, the one that really kind of stuck out in my mind today for this Sunday was control, the idol of control. Next Sunday, you want to come back and, and be here as I'm going to be looking at technology, right? We all deal with, I've got it in my, in my pocket, so you, don't want, you want to come back for that one as well. That's going to be a really, a really good one, and then we're going to be jumping into kind of an Easter um, type of series, and so this one today, the idol of control. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be going through verse 18 through 30. Philippians chapter 1, 18 through 30. And I was, as I was praying about this, I was wanting to think of an illustration that might help us to understand control a little bit. And as we're in spring break and people are on vacation and thinking about vacation uh, season that's coming up, no matter where you're going, uh, I was thinking about vacation. And for me, I broke it down into three categories. The first one, imagine if resources were no option, you had all the money, you could do a vacation wherever you wanted to go, and you had three options. One, you could go on a cruise. Anyone been on a cruise before? No one been on a, no? Oh, some people been on a cruise. So I was thinking of a cruise, and then I was thinking of an all-inclusive resort, like you could fly down to Mexico, all-inclusive resort, you don't have to worry about it, anything, everything's taken care of. Or the third one is just kind of like a man and I do, we rent like a, a place that's got a kitchen and then we just kind of plan our activities and we go and do what we want throughout the week. So I wonder what appeals to you, and you may be at this point like, I don't care, I just want a vacation, but if you had a choice, which one would it be? Number two, okay, all-inclusive, all right, nice, nice. We may not have been to an all-inclusive resort. That was kind of nice, but the thing that really scares me and gives me the most, like, heebie-jeebies is a cruise. Now, we watch, like, this cruise show episode, like, all the -the behind-the-scenes type thing that's going on. I don't know if it's, like, the Titanic. I don't know what's going on, but the cruise thing just really scares me. I'm like, I don't want to do that you all-inclusive was fun, but really, for me, it, came, it really comes down to, if I'm being on authentic and, and honest with you, is I don't like to give up control. Like a cruise ship, like you're there, you kind of follow the masses around and kind of do what you're told. For the most part, you can kind of choose. That freaks me out. Like, I don't want to do that. And all-inclusive. When man and I went to an all-inclusive, we found this Mexic- like Mex- small Mexican town just down the way, and we would walk down there just because I didn't like people telling me what to do all day. Like, I'll just go down there. The snorkeling's cheaper. I just hang out with the locals. Like, I had to get away from the all-inclusive because I felt like I was being controlled. I didn't like that, and so I just like to go and to get a place to stay, plan our activities, and I'm fully in control. I don't know if that's you when you think of vacations. Maybe I'm just a little weird, but I was wondering that, as a freedom-loving American, I like to have freedom over choices, and so I wonder if if that's you, if you make those decisions in life based on how much control that you have or don't have. And I believe that the basic human desire is to have a sense of control. And I think the younger the generations get, the more, like, control that they want. Like, I can do so much stuff on my phone, right, with young people growing up and having more freedoms and more control and more choices. And I remember speaking to an anesthesiologist one time, and I was just about to go under, and I really didn't want to go under. And I was trying to think, like, it was the scope. I was like, I don't have to go under. And he said, you know, younger generations, he said, they have such a harder time giving up control under anesthesia. Under anesthesia, He said the older generations, they're, they're, they're much more relaxed. They just kind of give up control. And so I believe like the younger the generations we are is we don't like to give up control. But I asked this, I said, I wonder how much control do we really have over ourselves when it comes to God? That you may have heard this term before, that God is sovereign, the sovereignty of God, that God is all-powerful and He is all-knowing. And if God is all-powerful and He is all-knowing, how much control do we really have in our lives? And I believe that this question, this doctrinal question of who we know God to be, the one true God, is really important in our lives. But because we could go on and thinking like if we just live good lives, like God is not really in control, he's not really involved in my day to day, I'm just going to live a good life and everything is going to be okay. Or if I just work really hard to be happy, then everything's going to be Okay. I think God wants me to be happy. Like He sees me working hard to make myself happy, but God's not really involved in that, and that's okay. And the other thought may be, God doesn't really want to be involved, or I don't really want him to be involved unless something really bad is happening, or something really bad has just happened, or something really bad is going to happen, and then, and then God kind of steps in, and he helps. And I wonder if that's our understanding of the sovereignty of God. And I believe that if we, and I say we as Christians, as followers of Christ, want to be in full control of our own lives, then that could be an idol. It can be an idol. Trying to make ourselves like God from Genesis, first part of Genesis. To be the master of our own fate and the captain of our own souls. There's a quote that I heard. So what I would like to do is I would like to look at Philippians 1, 18 through 30, and I would like to look at this from the perspective of control and what God would have us to do and how God would have us to look at this. So if you would, follow along. I'm going to read 18 through 30, and then we're going to circle back chapter 1 starts off says yes and i will rejoice and the first part of that yes and i will rejoice comes from paul and he was writing about the gospel of jesus going out some was pronouncing jesus in a good way and some in a bad way and paul says i don't care They're proclaiming Christ, the gospel is going out, and so I will rejoice. And I, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. Verse 19, he says, for I know that through your prayers, Paul's in prison, we're going to cover that in a minute, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And imagine this, Paul in a Roman prison. Some say a Roman prison. Think of the attitude, and think of the words that he's using in relation to control and the relation to the situation that he's in. Verse 20, "As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that which full courage now, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am, I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in any, anything by your opponents. He is in prison, and he was writing to the church in Philippi. He is in prison. He was suffering. He was in pain. He was waiting for a potential execution. He was rejected by the world. Yet, but, his life was beginning to look like Christ. Did you ever think of that? As Paul is there, he is suffering. He sees that the gospel is going forth because of his situation in prison. And through all of that suffering and his faith, was his life was looking more and more like Christ. And I ask, does our lives look like Christ? Christ's time on earth. Or does it look like, does our lives look like we are in control? Philippians 1.19, I'm going to circle back to this. We're going to rest on 1.19 for a while in relation to the sovereignty of God. Here Paul says, for I know in prison again that through your prayers, again knowing that execution could come any day, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance see what you notice he did not say is hey i've i found this little this little file and i'm filing down the the bars on the prison every night when the guards are asleep i think i could get myself out or hey have you come up with a plan yet church at philippi have you come up with a plan to get me out of here like pull up a donkey i'll hook up a rope and we'll tear the wall down no he doesn't say any of those things Here he is showing us the sovereignty of God. To say, I know you're praying, and I know that the Spirit of Christ, and I know that I'm going to get out of here. Whether it be in person, to encourage you at the church, and the gospel will go forward, or I go to be with Christ. Either way is okay. Paul is showing us the sovereignty of God in this verse. He says, I don't know which way this is going to go, but I trust the one who is all-powerful and all-knowing. And I trust that God is hearing the prayers of the churches on my behalf. I had this thought one day um, when I worked in corporate, I worked with a lot of, scientists and engineers top of their field and I had this thought one day and I said I was thinking you know nothing really in this world is truly random nothing is really truly random and I was thinking through that and I worked with some statisticians and other mathematicians and I thought well if you knew like if you threw up three dice and you knew every variable about the dice right which angle they were at the temperature the surface that they were going to fall on if you knew all the variables And they land and they go, then you could really predict, you would know what the outcome was going to be. But you have to know all the variables. And I thought I was really smart and come up with this idea. And so I went to uh, one of the scientists. I'm like, hey, like lunch break. I'm like, hey, I had this idea. And I was like, if you knew all the variables and blah, 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 you you, you would know the result. There was really nothing that is truly random. And he goes, he he was an atheist. And he looked at me and he goes, well, yeah, because you believe in God thought "Hmm, that was really good he just walked off but it goes to show like the sovereignty of of god that he knows all the variables he he is so much higher than all of us all-knowing all-powerful he created the world and yes sin comes into the world and things are, are messed up but, but God still uses that to accomplish his purpose he can use all of that and I asked, how does that make you feel if I say that God is all knowing he is all powerful he is sovereign over our lives over the universe how does that make you feel You say, well, pastor, what about free will? Does God give us free will to do as we choose? And I say, yes, God gives us free will. But our free will does not trump God's sovereignty. God does not need your free will, your cooperation, your commitment to accomplish his work. But he allows us. He allows us to use us in our free will. Even as sinners, with free will that God chooses to use us in the local church to accomplish His will, His mission, His purpose. And to me, that's really exciting. That a sinner, I don't even deserve to stand in the presence of God, but because of my faith alone in Christ alone that God chooses in his sovereignty to use me. To use you for his purpose. Verse 19 through 20. I'm going to read that again. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out for your deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed But that which full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Shouldn't that give us all comfort and joy to know that God will not put us ashamed, Will we will not be ashamed, that we can trust in God and His sovereignty, And for me, and I know I speak for Amanda, that God has personally taught me this the hard way. And Amanda and I, we we could go on all day about the sovereignty and trusting, putting our faith in God and God coming through. It's never on God's time, but God always comes through. He is faithful, he is just, and you can trust him. One of the first examples, the big examples in my personal life of this came. I was baptized, or I was saved when I was 16 years old by some hell's angels who had come to know Christ, left the organization, and started ministry, and got in front of me, shared the gospel. I became a believer at 16. Then after college, this was after 9-11, after college and all that, I really wanted to join the military and got out of ROTC, and I went to basic training. man and I had little kids at the time. And I really, really struggled. I was gone for 10 weeks, make like one phone call, no idea what's going on at home. I really struggled with the control issue, really struggled with it. I didn't want to be there. I already knew everything because I had been in RLTC. I thought it was such a waste of my time. It was dragging on and on and on. And what I began to do is I began to seek God. And they gave me this little Bible. The chaplain gave me this little camouflage Bible. And I began to read it. And I was in the Psalms a lot. And I began to read that and then I began to go to church. And during that time, God spoke to my heart. And here's what he said. He said, Gene, you thought you were in control of your kids and your family and the situation and home and all that stuff. He said, you weren't. You just thought you were He said, I am in control of everything. Give it to me. Give it to me. You can trust me. I am a good father. And I surrendered. I surrendered all to God. And I realized, God made it clear to me, I was not the one in charge. Even though I thought that I was. And that somehow, that of God working in my heart during that time. It allowed me to just depend on God. But it got me to a point where I was baptized. Army chaplain baptized me, asked me about baptism, walked me through all that, and I was baptized. And I believe it came from surrendering. I was already a believer, but I had to surrender. Surrender it all to God. God did that in my life, and it was a kind of a a different kind of freedom. I thought I had freedom, right, over choice and my family and everything that was going on, but instead of a freedom to be in control when I wasn't in control, I had a freedom in Christ, a freedom in Christ that I can trust Him for tomorrow, I can trust Him for eternity And I believe this next verse, this verse 21, is the elephant in the room probably as we read through this. And I know it's been a struggle of mine as my Christian walk of looking at this verse specifically, verse 21. Paul writes this, For to me to to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The Greek of this, when it's written out, says, Live Christ, die, gain. Live Christ die gain. And you may see there that there is no or live Christ or die gain. It says to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I always wonder like what how did Paul get to this point? in his walk with Christ, where he could truly and honestly say that and truly and honestly believe that. And the longer that I'm a pastor and the longer that I follow Christ and the, the more that we suffer, the more that we see the brokenness of this world and the more that we see the joy and the hope and the goodness of Christ, I can see that now. That to live as Christ but to die, and to die is gain. Paul knew the sovereignty of God, that he could trust him, that Christ was everything, and that his life was a life of following and serving Christ. That Christ was better than anything else. Paul's life was to serve Christ and to serve the church, to serve other Christians, to serve others. And I believe that we should all agree that to die and to be with Christ is gain. May not be easy to hear, but we should all agree that to be with our Savior in heaven is gain. But as Paul says, there is work to be done on earth. To live is Christ. To live as Christ. Verse 22 through 24, Paul goes on to say, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor, labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your accounts. On your accounts. Paul says to stay on planet earth. Is to serve others. To serve other Christians. To serve in the local church. To encourage the local church. That he was serving and encouraging the people at Philippi. To live as Christ. To make Christ known. To serve Christ. To serve Others. We just learned about that, right? In experiencing God. To really, to know God is to love God and to love others. To serve God and to serve others. We're going to skip down in verse 29, but I see two main tenets of Christianity. There's a lot of tenets to Christianity, right? Faith, forgiveness, forgiveness. A lot of different things, but I see two specific tenets of the Christian life here in verse 29 that I don't think that we can skip over. In verse 29, at the end of this, Paul says, For it has been granted to you, this applies to you Christians as well, it has been granted, has been given to you, that for the sake of Christ you shall not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. The first tenet I see in there is our faith. That we are saved by God's grace through faith alone. Our faith in Christ, that's all that saves us. And, and as we continue to serve God and put more of our faith, our faith will grow. That God uses us more and more as our faith grows. The second aspect of that that I see, the major tenet of Christianity is suffering. A lot of people probably wouldn't talk about this. But suffering, is a, it's a privilege to suffer for Christ. That faith in Christ alone is the opposite of control. When we turn over and we put our faith in Christ and what He did, it's the opposite of control. We give that to Jesus. And as we suffer, it shows that we value Jesus above everything while remaining faithful. While remaining faithful to the gospel because as your faith grows as you mature as your sanctification happens the more you suffer it's just the way it is it's been granted to you christians it's been granted to you your faith has been granted to you to suffer and i believe that people come to true life to hear the truth the truth true people come to true life because it's it's close we want to be a community to know one another to have fellowship to love one another to hear from god's word but also when we hear from god's word it's the it is the truth yeah we could gather a larger crowd we could preach prosperity gospel health and wealth like you give to god and you get back or you, you do this it'll make you healthy and those sorts of messages that are that are out there that definitely are not true. Preach a message to make you feel good about yourself, like a motivational type of speaker. Or we could preach about your faith comes from your salvation comes from what you do, your good works. Like you try hard to please God, that's what's going to get you into heaven, which is not true either. That this is the truth of God. That God is sovereign. That jesus says i am the way i am the truth i am the truth and i am the life that jesus has revealed through the bible is the way the only way to salvation the only way to heaven he is the truth and he is the life as a follower of Jesus, we don't get to sit in the driver's seat. We don't have to get to have control. You can't make God into something that he is not. And that you will have faith and joy and hope even in the suffering. And you say, well, why? Well, why? Why does I just put my faith in Jesus and he just takes me up to heaven? There's work to do to live as christ there's work to do god uses you why he chose to use us as broken sinners i don't know but that's what god chose it's his truth through the local church verse 27 through 28 says only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of christ So that whenever I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. And this is a clear sign to them of the destruction of their destruction, but of their salvation, but of our your our salvation. And that from God. See, when you step on the cruise ship of the local church and of being a Christian, we have one mission, to strive side by side together for the truth of the gospel and to not be scared, to not be scared. I saw this quote and I wanted to, it was like a see like a lot of the Toby Mac. Like quotes on Facebook. And then I thought this one was pretty good. I thought it says, God is writing your story, or, or his story, really. And he says, it said, Stop trying to steal the pen. God is writing his story through you. Stop trying to steal the pen. I thought that was really good. So I asked this for the application for today What are you trying to control? Kids, spouse, relationships. I know it becomes harder and harder as our kids grow up to to let go of the control. Maybe you're trying to control how long you will live, or your career, or your spouse, or your parents, or your health, or the NCAA bracket. I don't know. But I want to say this, that Christ is trustworthy over every aspect of your life but you have to know him to trust him you have to have a personal relationship with jesus that christ has to live within you for you to know him in order to trust him to give him control and a lot of times those things don't happen overnight it's a lifetime of following and trusting and obeying Christ. And we become a little bit more vulnerable in understanding God's sovereignty. And when we can look back in our lives of following Jesus and say, He took care of me. Like, He made me wait a lot longer than I wanted to. But He took care of me. He's a good God. I can give Him more trust. I can let go. I can be more obedience. I can let go of my control, this idol that I have in my heart. And we do that through His Word. Knowing the truth of the Gospel. I would encourage you to start in Romans. Romans outlines the Gospel really well. The Gospel of Jesus. Start there. It reveals who God is. That He is trustworthy. The other part of that is The application is to serve God and to serve others. Jesus said you could boil the commandments down into this, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Loving is serving. That was what Christ did when he was on earth. He served to death on the cross. He served. He was obedient to his Father, and he loved those around him so much that he gave his only life. He gave his only begotten Son. And a lot of times if we are, think we're in fully control and we're, and we're so anxious about everything, we don't have anything left to love God, much less love others. So I ask, how do you know if control is an idol in your life? And there's lots of different ways. But one that I was thinking of I, as I was praying through this, Maybe you're here today just seeking God. It should be all of us, right? To worship Him and to know Him more and to follow Him more and get to know who this Jesus is. And I say, that's great. Fellowship, that's great. I would say, welcome. But if, if we're here just to know more truth so we can have one something up on somebody else, to have control over other people, to say, I know the truth, other people don't. I want to know more of this. I just want to have control over other people. I want to have above everybody else in what truth is. Like I want to have the moral high ground in everything that I am to do. That should not be our motivation. Our motivation should be to, to love God and to love others, to serve God and to serve others. That should be our motivation because that's what Christ did Even to death. The Bible says that they will know you are a follower of Jesus by the love that you have for one another. If you do nothing else, seek the Lord. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Maybe you have made up a God of your own choosing so that you can control that God. If that is you, that is an idol of control. There is only one true God as defined in the Bible and the only way to have eternal life, Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. By faith alone, through God's grace, through faith alone is how we are saved. So I ask, is it time to give up control to the one true God, to put your faith and trust in Christ alone, to admit that you are a sinner separated from a holy God, that you need a Savior, that you need to give up control, that you need to surrender to Jesus and the life that He has for you. If that is you, I just say, call upon the Lord. He was waiting. He pursues you to the ends of the earth. So if that's you today, I would just ask that you would pray this prayer with me. Make it your own words. And then I would love for you to come and talk to me during this last worship song. Or if you have any other prayer requests, I would love for you to come up. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Jesus said it. He said it, that the truth will set you free. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that I have in Christ. That no matter what situation that I'm in, even if I'm in a jail cell, and I can say to live is Christ, to die is gain. Lord, I pray that you would help our faith to grow, that you would help us to see in suffering, that Lord, that you are you can still have give us joy and hope and peace. Lord, I pray right now that we are all giving up control and seeking you for what you would have us to do. That you would be our Lord and we would be standing by ready to serve you and others in any way that you would have us to do. Lord, I pray that there's anyone here that made a God in their own image that, Lord, that that truth is penetrating their hearts and their minds, that we are saved, we are in right standing with you, a holy God, that we can have eternal life through a free gift, the free gift of eternal life, by simply putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God, that you raised Jesus from the dead three days later, and he is now seated at the right-hand throne of you, that we will have eternal life. There is nothing we could do to please an almighty God other than our faith. God, thank you for granting to us our faith. I pray our faith would grow. I pray we can love you more, love others more. And trust you more. And all God's people said, amen.